If you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to the book of Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. While you're finding that difficult book to find in your Bible. <laughs> I read a story about a small boy who was sent to bed by his mom. Five minutes had passed and the boy yells out, Mom! She says, what? He says, I'm thirsty. Can you get me a glass of water? She says, no, you had your chance. Now go to bed. Five minutes pass again. The boy cries out, Mom. She says, what? He says, I told you I'm thirsty. Can I have a glass of water? The mom says, look, I told you no. If you ask again, I'm going to spank you. This sounds pretty familiar to us, right? Five minutes pass again. The boy cries out, Mom. And she says, what? He says, when you come in to spank me, can you bring me a glass of water? <laughs> I mean, no, our kids are on to us. <laughs> we need to pray for parents here, amen? We need to pray for those guardians, amen, that are dealing with these youngsters. Uh, we, need, we need patience, amen? How many of you can use some patience in your life? Yes, how many of you think, no, my kid just needs more, more spankings? <laughs> God help us as we raise the next generation. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3, the Bible says this. It says, when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel, his brother, also brought a gift the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. I titled this message this morning, Give Him Your Best. Let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would, Lord, have your way this morning, Lord. Give me the words to speak, Lord God, your words. Lord God, that it, would, that it would edify, that it would encourage, Lord, that it would build up the body. Lord, help us, Lord God, to work as one. Lord, as, Lord, you are, you and I are one. Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord God, to serve you wholeheartedly. Lord, to give you our best as you have given to us. Father, we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, give them your best. See, the Bible doesn't say why God rejected Cain's offering, but it does say why God accepted Abel's. The Bible says that Abel gave the best. The Bible says, say it with me, best. He gave his best portions to God. Why is that? Why I believe that Abel took his gift to God serious. He took, there was great purpose in the gift that he gave to the Lord. And this is what God wants us to do, church, is to put great thought and great heart into what we give him. The first point I want to make here this morning in giving him our best and in the areas that we can do this and there's this is just a few but there's so many number one is my best service 
The question we need to ask ourselves in are we giving God our best service is am I putting others' needs before my own? Mm, that's a good question to ask yourself. Whenever you're serving the Lord in whatever capacity, in whatever aspect it is, we, we know that we serve in so many ways here in the church and outside these four walls. We are serving. We are to be servants of the Lord. But are we putting others' needs before our own? Philippians 2.4, Paul says these words, and he says, Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Why is that in the Bible? Why? Because people needed help with putting others first. We're not the only ones that may struggle with this from time to time. Paul had to write this to the church in Philippi. That, hey, look, you guys, you need to be putting others first. You need to make sure that you are meeting the needs of others before you meet your own need. See, it's difficult to encourage someone else when we ourselves may be going through difficulties or going through a storm. Isn't that true? It is. It's very true. It's hard for us to look to fill other or meet someone else's need when you only see the need in your life. When you think, oh, man, I got, I got this uh, that, that, that I need God to take care of, and I got this going on, and all these things that I have on my mind, how am I going to meet someone else's need? I got to take care of my own home first, right? And we abandon others. And we neglect those needs that others have in the body of Christ. You're the arm and that leg is hurting. That leg needs some attention. And you're the arm. What are you doing to help and aid that leg of the body? See, God wants us. He wants to help us through the storms by putting others' needs before ours. I believe this is how God gets us through many of life's difficulties, is by putting others first. Why? Because it takes focus off of your issues. It takes focus off of the things that you're going through. If you believe that God is your father, then you need to believe that God is working everything out for your good. Do you believe that? So that, that means that you don't have to worry about it. That's a blessing. Someone say, thank you, Jesus. You don't have to worry anymore. God is working it out for you. So that means that you are free to meet someone else's need. Isn't that a blessing? That's a word for some of you this morning. That's an eye-opener. Hey, God's got me. God is, God is taking care of my needs. He's taking care of everything that has taken place in my life so that I can meet the needs of others. How do we do this? Well, the Bible says that he gave us the Holy Spirit. How many of you know that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you? All right. I'm glad you do. I'm really glad you do because I'm telling you that is a, that is a game changer. It's a game changer for you and I. See, God knew that we would, get, that we would need assistance in doing this. <laughs> he knew that it wouldn't be easy. 
Why? Because we are selfish by nature, aren't we? That should be a band, you know, a, a group, selfish by nature. <laughs> Not the other one. You guys know what that is. <laughs> well, the other one too, yeah, jeez. <laughs> but we are selfish by nature. God knew that we we're going to need some help. We had a story about two elderly couples who were hanging out. One of the men asked the other man, hey, Fred, how was that memory clinic that you went to last month? Fred replied, oh, man, it was outstanding. It's made a huge difference in my life. His friend asked him, that is, that's awesome. What, what's the name of the clinic? I want to go. And he says, he's, he's thinking, you know, Fred's, Fred's thinking about it, and he's Deep thought, and all of a sudden that light bulb clicks, and he says, he says, well, what, do you, what do you call that flower with the long stem and the thorns? And he says, a, a rose. He said, yeah, thank you. He said, rose, what is that clinic called? <laughs> I'm telling you, church, we need help. <laughs> we, need a, we need assistance. Why? Because the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is going to what? Remind us. The Holy Spirit is our reminder. How many know that we need reminders in our lives? I know I'm not the only one who needs to be reminded about things. If I've forgotten about something, you know, maybe it was your birthday and I forgot, I'm sorry, I need reminders. <laughs> My wife's laughing, I can hear her because she knows it's so true. We need reminders in our lives. We have so many things going on that we can't remember everything. And so we need to set forth reminders. You know, we have these awesome things called cell phones that we can put reminders in. They're, they can be used for more than just social media and watching what someone else is doing at two in the morning. <laughs> we can set reminders in our lives. Why? Because it's very important for us to remember. It's very important for us to never forget what God has done for us. Who God is. Because you, when you remember what God did, you're going to remember who he is in your life. In John 14, 26, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will not, will not only teach us, but also will remind us. In our busyness, we all experience this. We tend to forget things, and we need to be reminded. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for you and I. If we are going to serve in our best capacity, amen, we need the Holy Spirit reminding us. We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, amen? Because the Holy Spirit's gonna remind you. That's going to happen. That is happening right now. But are you sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you being attentive to that which he wants to remind you of? See, I want to serve in God's house and give him my best. Mark 10, 45 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but 
to serve. And this is an example that Jesus Christ has set for you and I, the body of Christ, that, that he didn't come to be served, but he came to be a servant, to serve others. And this is what God is calling you and I to do, to have a servant's heart. I know we need, we have a lot of wants and, and, and desires and things like this and a, not, a, a lot of needs that need to be filled. Like I said earlier, God is meeting those needs. Trust in him. But God has called you to take on a servant's heart. So what do you say in your life? You know what, I choose to brush off. I choose to brush off. If I'm going to give God my best and my service, I'm going to need to brush off those things that others have said. I'm going to choose to brush off those wrongdoings. Church, that is important. With a church this size, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that may have you know, been said to you or things like that that may not have been intentional. But in a church this size, there are always things that we can be offended by, isn't there? Yes? All right, some of you, the rest of you don't get offended by anything, right? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Man, I'm going to give you a good sermon this morning, then, if you don't get offended. <laughs> but we do. Things hurt us. You know, they say sticks and stones you know, that, that, that whole saying, you know, but words won't hurt us. No, words will hurt. Words hurt. Let's be honest here. But we say, Lord, I'm going to choose. I'm going to choose to overlook those. Look at Proverbs 19, verse 11. It says this. It says, sensible people. How many of you want to be sensible? Yes, all right, good, some of you. Proverbs 19, 11 says, sensible people earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Hmm. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. How many wrongs has God overlooked in our lives? Ooh. Ooh, I can't even count that high. I'd be here all day thinking about things that God has overlooked in my life. And this is what God seeks for us to do, is to overlook these things in others. If we are going to give our best service, we need to overlook wrongdoings, church. You need to. You have to. Why? Because God has done it for you. If God has forgiven you much, then why is it difficult for us to forgive others little? We're talking about giving God our best service. You can't let those things be a hindrance in your life in giving God your best. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants it to hinder you in giving God your best. So he's going to get you to focus on these petty little things that have been said or done so that you don't give your best. It's a strategy, church. It's a strategy of the enemy, and you have to see it for what it is. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, get over it. <laughs> Someone's about to get smacked right now. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. God helped the marriages this morning. <laughs> oh, geez. I won't even look out there right now. <laughs> See, how can God fight your battles if you haven't given it to him? 
How can he fight your battles if you haven't allowed him to fight your battles? Amen? Another one in giving God your best in your service is, am I focused in my service? Mm. You got to be focused. Whatever you're doing, it does no one any good when you're thinking about what's happening uh, elsewhere. <laughs> when you're thinking about tomorrow, don't think about tomorrow. Think about right now. What are we doing right now? We're at an outreach right now. Let's focus on outreaching. We're at an event for our summer concert. Let's focus on right now. Let's not focus on, on, on you know, I would have done this different or that different. I don't care. God has called you to focus on what is taking place right now. Amen? If we're going to have unity, it starts right there. Oh, man. That's a word from God. You need to give God your best in your service. You need to focus, amen? Am I looking to, am I looking for ways of meeting the needs in the house of the Lord? Ooh, wow. Ask yourself that question. Am I looking for and am I willing to meet those needs in the house of the Lord? Like I say, it's a big church, but there's, there's big needs. There's a lot of needs in this church. And if we wait for someone else to do it, no one's going to do it, right? God, God wants to call you to meet those needs. And he's going to equip you. That's the amazing thing, is that you may not even feel equipped right now, but when you say yes to the Lord, he begins to equip you. Oh, my goodness, that's awesome. That's awesome. You're going to see God at work in your life. You're going to see his power magnified in your life. See, when you serve under the leadership of God Almighty, it has the best results, doesn't it? 2 Chronicles 15, 7 says, Be strong and do not give up. Thank you, Jesus. It says, Your work will be rewarded. Amen. Say that. My work will be rewarded. Because it's not really my work. It's God's work. Oh, man. That's amazing. So not only do we need to give God... God our best service, but also our best testimony. Ooh, here we go. Here we go. It just got real. My best testimony. Some of you are probably thinking, all right, I'm, I'm ready to work, but now, you know, when it comes to my testimony, it's like, oh, back up. Back up. Let me ask this question here. Does my life draw others to God? Mm, wow. Does my life draw others to God? Not my words. Not my words. Not me holding my Bible wherever I go. Does my life, do my actions draw others to God? See, a testimony is an open declaration or profession. So what are you declaring in your life? What are you professing through the life that you live? See, we must strive to honor God in purity in our relationships, in the way we speak, the things we do, in the things I do when no one is around. Second Corinthians 7, 1 says, Therefore, since we have these great and wonderful promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, completing holiness, living a consecrated life, a life set apart for God's purpose 
in the fear of God. We know that holy means to be set apart, doesn't it? To be sanctified, set apart. And how is something holy? Why? Because God manifests himself in it. That's how it's holy. (laughs) If God is there, guess what? It is holy. If the Holy Spirit lives in you, then guess what? You are made holy in Christ. Isn't that amazing? Church, where God dwells, it is holy. If he removes himself, then that holiness goes with him. It goes with him. It goes wherever he goes. The Bible says that God is not mere mortal. He is not like you and I. Thank, someone say thank you, Jesus, for that. Because we'd be in a world of hurts. All these, all these people sadly trying to, trying to, to praise man and statues and, thi- and, 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 you know, just normal people. Well, there's only one God. There's only one God. And he is not like us. He is holy. There is none like him. Exodus 3, 5 says, do not come any closer, God says. He says, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He says, I don't want those filthy sandals up in here. This is holy ground. It's sanctified. It's set apart. We come in the house of the Lord. God says, don't, don't be, you know, you can, you can bring your junk here, but don't leave it. Or, 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 sorry, don't take it with you. You leave it here. Leave it here. Bring whatever it is that is, that is, that is getting you down, but you leave it here. Because your, your body is, is holy ground. You are set apart. You don't need to be carrying that junk. You are sanctified. See, God's holiness distinguishes him from every created being. How do we apply this to our lives? 1 Peter 1.13 says, So prepare your minds for action. Be completely sober in spirit, steadfast, self-disciplined, spiritually and morally alert, He says, fix your thought, fix your hope completely on the grace of God that is coming to you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Live as obedient children of God. Do not be conformed to the evil desires which governed you in your ignorance. How many of you were, could, you know, could honestly say that that you were living in ignorance before Christ? He says, before you knew the requirements and transforming power of the good news regarding salvation. But like the Holy Spirit, but but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. Be set apart from the world by your godly character and moral courage. Because it is written, you shall be holy, set apart, for I am holy. See, church, you and I need to be living not according to the world standards, but according to God's standards. 
God isn't calling us to be perfect, but he's calling us to be distinct from the world. He's calling us to stand out. God's word is so awesome that it gives us the standards to live by so that the world will know that you and I belong to him. We belong to him. He's our father. He is the one working everything out for our good. You want to know why I have such favor wherever I go? It's because of my father. It's because of my father. See, you know man here on earth, but it doesn't matter with, you know, about favor with man here on earth. It's all about favor with God. It doesn't matter if, we, if, uh, uh, if you seek to please man and, and that's all that you're about is pleasing so-and-so. I seek to please the Lord. And this is why, this is why God has promoted my life. Not that I seek promotion, but that God would be promoted in everything that he does in my life. See, sin... Sin will not affect God's love for you. I mean, oh, that's true. Do you know that's true? Sin will not affect God's love for you. You know what sin does? I'll tell you right now what sin does. Is it affects your love for God. Oh, man. That's deep. That's deep. You see, because the enemy would want you to think of the latter. And he would say, oh, because you've sinned, how can God love you? Doesn't this sound like the enemy? Doesn't it? It sounds just like that chump. He says, God is going to love you less. Why? How can you step foot in that church because, uh, with all the things that you've done? Stay home and watch it online. For those of you watching online, we are so blessed to have you with us this morning. <laughs> Come out Wednesday, next Sunday. <laughs> but this is what the enemy does. He says, because you've done this, God loves you less. But no, it doesn't. That's not what happens. Sin causes us to love God less. Why? Because it, it draws us further away from him. This is what sin does here. Nothing's behind me, right? This is what sin does here. Oh, I sinned. Oh, man, I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have did that. The enemy says, oh, God loves you less. God loves you less, and you keep backing up. But what's really happening is that you are moving away from God. You need to realize this in your life. Because when you feel that God loves you less, what do you do? You seek after other things to love you. Oh, wow. This is where the real trouble happens. Well, actually, it begins with uh, thinking that God loves you less. That's the real trouble. But then it, it leads down this slippery slope of you trying to find that love in something else or someone else. And you say, well, if God, if God doesn't love me anymore or if, or if God has loved me less, then I need to, then I need to compensate with, that, with uh, love from something or someone else. The things that sin does to us, church, it's nothing to play around with. God understands what sin does, and that's why he doesn't want us to, to partake in those kind of things. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. 
I always love Paul's words to Timothy. 1 Timothy 6.11 says this. Paul says, he says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. Oh, this is, what our, this is what our young adults need to hear. This is what our teenagers need to hear. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. They need to be reminded. He says, so run from all these evil things, Paul says to Timothy. He says, pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. I love how Paul encourages Timothy to keep fighting, to continue moving forward. Because we're going we're gonna to stumble, amen, in, in our testimony, we're going to stumble. Let's be real here. We're going to make mistakes. But as Paul says to young Timothy, he says, persevere. Keep fighting the good fight of faith. Don't give up. God has not loved you less. And you fan into flames. You fan into flames that love that you have backed away from for God. You fan that into flames. Because God hasn't stopped loving you. You moved yourself away. So now you need to come back to a place where you were. You need to remember the things that you were taught. You need to remember the things that God has done for you. You need to remember the times that God, that God answered you when you called out to him. You need to remember the time that God, that God uh, uh, brought, that, brought that, that, that prodigal child back. They didn't die in their sin. You need to remember how God restored that marriage. First Peter 2.9 says, but you are not like that. First Peter 2.9, you are not like that, for you are a chosen people. Church, you are chosen this morning. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he has called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. God wants us to give him our best testimony. Thirdly, lastly, God wants us to give him our best offering. Thank you. All right. As long as I get one, that's it. That's it. The rest of you learn. <laughs> we need to give our best offering, amen? A father gave his little girl $2. He says, look, one of those dollars, you can do whatever you want with it. The other dollar is for the Lord. The little girl, so excited, ran to the closest candy store. On the way there, she tripped and fell one of those dollars fell into the storm drain. Little girl looks up and says, Lord, well, there goes your dollar. <laughs> See, some of us treat our tithe and our offering like that. Ooh. 
Oh, man. Oh, man. Lord, I had to pay my car note. There goes your money. <laughs> Lord, I had to pay that rent. I had to pay that mortgage. Sorry. I'd get you next time. <laughs> That's what my son used to do. <laughs> We do that sometimes, don't we? The money gets spent on other things, and we say, oh, uh, uh, next time. I didn't have enough this month. God knows my heart. <laughs> That's exactly right. God does know our hearts. That's what he wants to change, too. See, he wants us to put him first. I said he wants us to put him first. Thank you, Jesus. If we're going to give our best offering, then guess what? You need to put God first. You need to put God first. Not after this or that. You need to put God first. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, you know what? You need to make sure that you pay your obligations first, and then you can give to God. Let's go back to our text. The Bible says that God rejected Cain's gift. Cain gave a gift. <laughs> you have to realize that, all right? It isn't like Cain held back, in a way, but it isn't like he gave nothing. He gave a gift. The Bible says that God accepted Abel's gift. Why? Why? Because the Bible says it was the first fruit. It was the first fruit. I believe it all starts here. I believe it all starts here. God doesn't want us to give grudgingly, the Bible says. Isn't that true? If it's my birthday and it's time for gifts, I don't want your gift. If you're mad at me and you're like, oh, you know what, here we go. Here's your gift. <laughs> I guess I got to give a gift to a pastor. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. Just say hi. Happy birthday. <laughs> but I don't want no gift that was, give, that was given grudgingly. It would hurt me to have my wife give me a gift that was, that, was, that was like not because she wanted to give me a gift. That would hurt me. I would be offended, seriously offended. Oh, here's your gift. What? <laughs> that would hurt us. Can we agree? How do you think God feels? How do you think God feels when we say, God, here is my, in a sense, leftovers? Here is what I have left for you. I got everything taken care of. Now, this is yours. God accepted Abel's because it was the best. Abel intentionally set apart God's gift. He set it apart. When everything was ready to be, to be maybe partook of, you know, of the animals or things like that, Abel said, no, 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 don't touch these right here. These are God's. These are the Lord's. These are my Father's. Don't touch these. And he set it apart. 
and he gave it to God. And God accepted it. He accepted it. Will God reject my gift? I don't know. Did you put your heart in it? He won't reject your heart. I'll tell you that right now. If you put your heart in it, God is not going to reject it. If my kids drew me something for my birthday, I would gladly accept it. Why? Because they put their heart in it. I don't need, you know, crazy things. But if they drew me a picture, I, I knew, wow, they put their heart in that. That blesses me. In church, that also blesses God. It also blesses God. When you put your heart in your gift, if we're going to give our best offering, you need to put your heart in it. You need to set that aside for God and say, God, this is yours. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart, there your heart, your wishes, your desires, that on which your life centers will be also. This is what God seeks for you and I. God wants us to give him our best. He gave us his best. He always does. He continues each and every day. But God says you need to give your best service. Give your best service. You be focused. You put others' needs before your own. You do this. Do this. The Holy Spirit will remind you. He'll remind you of all the things that I've done in your life so that you can give your best service. You give your best testimony. I know you're going to stumble, but you keep persevering. You keep moving forward. God has forgiven you much, and, he's, and, and he keeps forgiving us because he's so gracious. But you seek righteousness. God says, seek righteousness in your life. If you want to give your best testimony, then you need to seek righteousness. God says, I need you to give your best offering. Give your best offering. Is it a sacrifice? Is that offering a sacrifice? If it's just nice and easy, then it's not a sacrifice. If it's just comfortable, then it's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something that you're like, oh my goodness. It's like Abraham with Isaac. What? My son? You want my son? Here he is. That's a sacrifice. Did it hurt? Was it difficult to do? Did you really have to seek the Lord in it? Did you really have to trust him in it? That's a sacrifice. Church, what has God given to you and I? Oh, just everything. Just everything. He held nothing back. He gave us his all. Why? Because there is no mistaking how much he cares about you when he gives you his all. When someone gives you their all, there's no mistaking that they love and care about you. 
They gave you their all. Everything they had, they gave to you. This is what God has done for you and I. Why? So that we can in turn give him our best. As every head is bowed, every eye closed this morning.